So today we're going to be looking at what I think is that's going to underpin, I guess, everything we're going to do this year, which is to be those that live lives that are devoted to Jesus. Those who live lives that are all about Jesus. John Ortberg says, the measure of your devotion to God is not your devotional life, it is simply your life. Uh, and devotion involves our whole life, our whole life that's about Jesus. But for my two-year-old daughter, uh, we were obviously away for some time this summer, and uh, her life became all about blackberries. And when I say that, I don't mean the phones, I mean the ones you eat. And uh, she calls them greenberries, uh, I think because they start green and then they turn black. But anyway, so whether we were on a campsite or walking down to the beach or going to the park or for a coastal walk, she'd be looking out for blackberries to pick and to eat. And uh, she became pretty advanced at picking the nice juicy ones. This was kind of, she became pretty, this was her devotion for the summer, right? Uh, she, you could see the extent of her devotion smudged all over her face. Uh, probably every few minutes, I turned around to see her have blackberries all over her. I even asked her the other day, you know, who do you love most? Sat her down, who do you love most? Daddy or blackberries? Blackberries. Of course, without hesitation, blackberries. I'm not sure how my life has now become a fight against blackberries for my daughter's devotion, uh, but it has. But hopefully she'll grow out of that. Anyway, for, for each of us, our lives tell a story of what we're devoted to. Uh, since February 2006, my life's devotion took a big transformation when I decided to follow Jesus, put my trust in him. On that day, I stepped into the story of God. And on that day, I put my trust in him. I came a part of this bigger story, his story. And if you too have put your trust in him, you too are part of this big story of God. And if you've been around New Community for any time, you'd have heard us talk about the story of God. It's the story that has a start, a middle, and an end. It's a story that starts in Genesis 1. If you've read your Bible, you start at the beginning. Genesis 1, it, it talks about God says to man, he makes man in his image and says he's very good very good and then later on God says to man be fruitful and multiply go and fill the earth see God's intent from the very beginning is to fill the earth with his glory and then later on in Genesis 3 we know what happens man disobeys God and sin enters the world and things get a bit messed up we, we see the outworking of that throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible. We see it throughout history and we see it throughout our, our world today. We see the brokenness, the, the, the result of, of sin entering the world for people saying, no, thank you, God. I want to live it my way. I want to do things my way. And we see it in Welling, don't we? We see it all around us, brokenness. We see the result of people rejecting God and sin uh, people sin in their life and and yet we see it also in our own lives when we choose to disobey God and reject him and actually we see that it has messy consequences even for our own lives yet because of God's devotion towards those who are his for his devotion to have a people that he calls my people he again offers grace and mercy 
and forgiveness for those that will turn to him. Again and again, again and again, he offers grace and mercy. It's the story of the Bible. It's the story of our lives that, that if we turn to him, he, he offers grace and mercy if we turn back to him. And we get to this middle of the story. We've had the beginning. We've got the middle where it's pretty much the, the climax, if you like. It's, the, it's the, 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 the ultimate moment when Jesus comes and Jesus steps down onto this earth. And Jesus came not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And he comes to put everything right. See, through his death, through Jesus' death, he takes our sin and makes a way to have a right relationship with God. And then Jesus ends his time on this earth saying, in Matthew 28, we know this, all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, the story of God begins in Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply it. it, it it's the command from God at the beginning. It's a command from Jesus in his last words. Go and make disciples of all nations. And this is why we're here. This is why we're here in Welling. This is why we're uh, New Community Church, just uh, multiplied into this area and uh, Eltham and, and where next, we don't know yet. But this is why we're here in Welling. And yet the story ends with this picture in Revelation of where every tribe, every tongue, every people group, every language will gather around the throne, worshipping him forever. See, this is the story of God. This is where we're heading. If you're a Christian, if you've stepped into the story, that's where we're going. And see, for us at New Community Church, I, I, I still find this slightly ridiculous, but that we get to play a part in this story. <laughs> we get to play a part in seeing multiplication, seeing disciples made, and seeing Welling, we, among many other churches in Welling, we have this mandate to go and make disciples of people who live in and around us. And I firmly believe Acts 17, 26 to 20, 27, that, that talks about how God has determined the places that we live. So you live not just by mistake, you live here because God has determined your dwelling place. And he's determined your dwelling place, it goes on to say in, in verse 27, so that some might seek him and find him. That's a wonderful thing that we are caught up in, that we are here in Welling, not by accident, but that some might seek him and find him. So that where you live, your neighbours, the people on your streets, the people around you, the people you work with, these are all people who God has ordained that would be uh, around you, that some might find him, that some might seek God and step into the story themselves and so we have this opportunity of inviting people to step into this story that we've stepped into and uh, just about the time that we moved to Welling me and Hannah um, Hannah was in one of the coffee shops on the high street and she just heard this lady quite loudly upset but no one was doing anything so she went she just walked across the room she walked across the room and she spoke to her they ended up Get swapping numbers, they're now really good friends, they've met up loads of times, we went to the, her 40th birthday, um, she, Hannah's been taking her to hospital, we've prayed with her, prayed for her to, on two particular specific occasions that I, I'm reminded of where she had wonderful answers to prayer, she's not a Christian but she had wonderful answers to prayer and we want to continue to pray for her and continue to invite her to step into the story, she lives literally around the corner from us. God has ordained it that where we live is an opportunity to invite others to step into the story. 
just uh, Friday night, um, uh, I met a, actually a few weeks ago. I met a, a really lovely Christian couple at Spark in the Park, and uh, we just got chatting. And again, they live just over the road here, and um, just went to. They came a few weeks ago to our house with some of you guys to pray and eat, and we had a lot of fun. And then I just went, she, they invited us back to go to their house on Friday, and uh, me and Hannah went. And uh, it wasn't actually. I met some of their friends uh, from the, this community, uh, a lovely Asian couple, but then. On the way there, it wasn't even there, it was on the way there, uh, we walked, I think there's something about walking by the way, I'd encourage you, don't drive everywhere all the time because you're in a rush or something, if it's walkable, walk because God does things when we walk, I really believe that, you see it throughout scripture as well, but we were walking and we just walked past one of the houses on Oakhampton and there was this couple out there and they were looking very jolly and smiley, got their keys in their hand and we're like, oh they must have just bought this house, they must have just moved in. And um, we were walking by, and you could tell they were trying to take a selfie. And I think he said, or I said, I can't remember, he said, uh, can you take a photo of us? Sure, yeah. We were running late to these new people that we met. But we're like, yep, yeah, we'll, we'll take this time. And we just took a moment to, to, to take a photo. They were Romanians. Yeah, so I could use my vast knowledge of Romanian through Daniel and Daniela. No, I have actually been to Romania, so there's a little bit of a, a link to our story and their story. And uh, kind of bundled out some the, the only Romanian word I know, which is mutmesk, thank you, which had no relevance to the conversation. But um, they were like, oh, you can speak Romanian. Well, kind of, no. Um, anyway, I just talked about my friends. I've got friends in Romanian, and then tried to remember where Daniel lived. It, and I was like, uh, it kind of ends with Treya. Uh, I can't remember. Does it remember a D? No. And I think we got to Timotreya or something like that. It was close anyway. They worked it out somehow. Anyway, there was this, these stories being linked, and uh, she said, oh, there's a nice, there's a park over there, Stevens Park, and I said, yeah, actually, that's right by the church we go to, and she was like, all right, what, what kind of church is it? And we just able to share a story and an opportunity to invite them. I actually had one of our uh, cards, meeting cards in our pockets, oh, yeah, here you go, welcome to come along. They said, one of them's Orthodox, one of them's Catholic. I said, we're not, but come along, <laughs> and... Uh, there was an opportunity to invite them, people who are literally just moving in around the corner. God, I believe, ordains conversations like that. God has spoken to us specifically in Welling to be like Joseph's amazing technicolor dream coat. Um, I'm not sure that's the biblical words, but um, a coat of many colors that is reflecting something of diversity, of, of unity and expression that is visible and will be seen from afar. This is something that we're, we're, we're dreaming about. We want to push into as well keep praying into God has spoken to us about through small little acts of kindness we're gonna see uh, God's love go out to people in their in their houses in their homes and it will touch people's hearts and minds we've recently uh, some of the women we've got some great women that pray in this church which is good for us uh, men as well by the way and we need to step up um, some of these women joined together recently to pray and there was a sense of excitement and expectation of, of God speaking about how God, he's going to move across the north of this borough. Wow, that excites me. That excites me that we want to see God move not only in Welling but across the, beyond our, our boundaries but into the, 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 the north of this borough. And uh, it was shared that Welling has a significant part to play in this. That's exciting. God is a God of multiplication. From beginning, we see that in Genesis, from Jesus' 
mandate to us to go and make disciples. That's who he is and that's who he's called us to be a part of this amazing story. But how will that happen? (laughs) So we can talk about it and we can dream about it, but how will that happen? And I believe it will happen by what we're looking at today is when people step into the story and devote their lives to Jesus. As we fully devote our lives to Jesus. See, there was a woman that uh, uh, we can read about in, in all the Gospels um, who gives us an example, I believe, of, of what it looks like to devote your heart to Jesus, to devote your life to Jesus. I'm going to pull out just a couple of things that, from the passage. It's in Mark uh, 14, verses 3 to 9. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow. Hopefully, it'll come up on the screen. It's already there. Verse 3. And while he was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, we're talking about Jesus, obviously, while he was at uh, in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster gla- flask of uh, ointment of pure nard perfume, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the anointment wasted like that? For this anointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She's anointed my body beforehand for burial, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it, that, that last bit, whenever the gospel is told, uh, it will be told in memory of her. It's like, oh yeah, that's what we're doing today. We're looking at what she, her response to Jesus. <clears throat> and see, this woman's response to Jesus was wholehearted and costly. It was wholehearted, but it's also costly. And so for the rest of this time, I want to look at what that means for us. See, to fully grasp this woman's response you need to understand that, 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 the, that this perfume bottle, this amount, uh, 300 denarii, that she poured lavishly, lavishly over Jesus' head. And in the other Gospels, you'll see that it's actually, it talks about his feet. So it's really, it was all over him, basically. I don't know what you'd do if you had a whole bottle of perfume poured over your head. Um, Jesus' response is, is, is amazing. We'll look at that in a moment. This bottle was over a year's salary. Just grasp that for a moment. Imagine that. You have managed to somehow save up a year's salary. On average in the UK, that's around twenty-five to 27,000. In London, it's more like 35 plus thousand. That's a nice deposit for a house. That's a couple of nice holidays and a car and uh, holidays abroad, not camping. Um, and uh, a new car that works. Um, Enough money to send the kids off to university. Imagine that. You managed to save that amount of money. Then instead of using all that money, you that kind of year's salary, you bought a bottle of perfume. I know that's quite hard to imagine for me anyway. Uh, You bought a bottle of perfume with all that money. And instead of using it on yourself, you poured it out over someone's head. Just think on that for a moment. I I don't know about you, but... I agreed with the people and what they were saying. I was like, that's a waste. Surely, surely that's a waste. 
the people around her were kind of like, why, are they, why is she wasting this anointment? And I'm like, yeah, I was thinking kind of similar. Surely that money could have been used more wisely. Surely, yeah, even, even they were saying, well, you could give it to the poor. I was thinking a deposit on a house, but there we go. But then you see Jesus' response. Jesus doesn't think it's a waste. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Really, Jesus? <laughs> beautiful? So what does Jesus say this? Jesus sees this response of this woman as beautiful because he recognizes this woman is willing to lay down, lay aside what she holds dear, what she holds most dear, maybe what she's actually devoted her life to before. She's willing to lay that down to step into the story, to give wholeheartedly to Jesus and hold nothing back. It's not about the money. It's not about the amount of money. See, in one of the, uh, in another story, we read that how the poor widow gave just small, two small copper coins. And yet Jesus' response is exactly the same. It's like, this is beautiful, beautiful because she's giving and she's not holding anything back. So it's not the amount that we give, not the amount of money specifically. It's our hearts. It's our hearts' response to Jesus. See, God is in the business of hearts, not behavior. He's in the business of hearts, not behavior. He doesn't want your, your, your good behavior. He wants your heart, which will in turn change your behavior. If you give him your heart, he will do it and mold it and shape it, and it will change your behavior. And it's important to, to say from this passage that a life lived out like this, a life which is wholehearted, will actually result in people questioning the way you live. You know, we see it from in this passage, don't we? They question what a waste. Are you, are you sure you want to give that? Are you sure you want to give that time to serve others? Are you sure you want to waste that money to give to the church? If you've ever bought a, uh, got a mortgage, you've probably had the mortgage person say, oh, you can probably get rid of that bit, can't you? The, 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 offer, the giving, the tithing. No, actually, that's part of our giving. Are you sure you want to be at church on a Sunday afternoon? Surely that's a nice time to relax and put your feet up. <laughs> Some of these questions, and we might even ask these questions ourselves. But the fact is, if we're wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus, if we're this year giving ourselves completely to Jesus, yes, questions like that will come, but, but, but because our lives are devoted to him, if we desire to give him everything, we won't mind to look a bit foolish in the process. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, you might look a bit foolish to your friends, to your people that don't quite get it, don't understand it. What's this all about? But Jesus will honor it. But there's a question to us is, are, we, are people questioning the way we live? Are they, do our lives... Are they, are they questionable lives? And I don't mean that in a dodgy sense. I mean, are people, are people looking at us or uh, as we spend time with them? Yeah, we're not perfect. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But is there a, is there a, a, a kind of a, a response in them that says, wow, that's, are you sure about that? That's a, is that not a bit of a waste, that, giving that, doing that? And if we're not, if these questions aren't coming, the, the question, I guess, to us is, are we actually living wholehearted lives? Are we... Are we fully devoting ourselves to Jesus? 
is, I think the question to ask is, is your heart's direction one of Jesus, I am all in? Am I am all in? If you've ever been on holiday in, in England by the seaside, you know that daily dilemma of do I go in the sea or not? Yeah? It's like, I want to go in because that's the kind of thing you're supposed to do on holiday by the seaside, but it's freezing cold. Do I go in or not? And uh, some of you are laughing because you know it. And we have one little added motivator in my family, and it's if you go in, you get a piece of chocolate. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's good. That's going to help me, but that's not probably quite going to cut it. I'll be honest with you. So for me, to go in, to go all in, I have to turn up with my swim shorts on, obviously, and then literally take my shirt off as soon as I get there, charge down the beach towards the water. As I'm going into the water, I just keep on running. I just keep, literally, you have to just keep on running, keep on running. You're feeling the coldness. Ah! Run, 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 run. It's very embarrassing. Anyway, as soon as it's slightly deep enough, I'm like diving right in, and probably within 20 seconds, I'm out again. But... When I go and I just dip my toe in, honestly, I don't go in. I walk away. <laughs> if I just dip my toe in, I'm like, nah, I'm not having that. It's too cold. And uh, are we in danger of being a bit like that? We're dipping our toe in. Are we in danger of being a bit like that? And I think we all are, have, there's an all, there's, we all, sorry, all of us have a danger. There's a, a potential for us to be like that, to be lukewarm, to be a bit half-hearted. I know for myself that's true. And yet, see that if, uh, if the answer is just to grit our teeth and run as fast and hard as we can towards the water, if that's the answer, if it's, it's to kind of try harder, we're going we're gonna to end up, you know, giving up aren't we we're going to burn ourselves out we're going to uh, we're going to lose a passion it's going to become a, a duty a burden see that's not the answer the answer isn't okay so i need to be wholehearted so i need to really try hard today to live for jesus no 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 the answer is to keep on delighting ourselves in jesus is to satisfy ourselves in him see john piper says god is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him What's going to help us be these people that live wholehearted lives, devoted lives to Jesus, is delighting ourselves in him. So a question to ask yourself at the beginning of this term. What can I do? What can I do to delight my heart in God more? It's not what can I do to, to make myself uh, impressive before God. No, how can I delight my heart in God? How can I delight my heart in God? I would encourage you, go away from here today. What does it look like for me to delight my heart in God more? What is it that, work out what stirs your affections towards Jesus and do it. <laughs> I'm learning this. I need to do this more. I need to just learn what stirs my affections towards Jesus. See, for someone like Chris Wilkes, it's to, to pick up a really big, heavy theological book and spend time and time going through it, getting excited about amazing truths about God. If you're like Chris Wilkes, do that. If you're like Iffy or me, you're, you're a bit more of a, I want to sing and shout and declare truth, remind myself of who I am before God and what Jesus has done for me. If that's what stirs your affections toward Jesus, do it. If it's uh, maybe a bit more like Nemi who just will, will spend hours through the night praying on his own and, and with others, I'm not sure that's true, but um, grabbing others around him and praying and, and provoking one another to, 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 for, for God's truth in their life, do it. If it's uh, to be like my wife, which is just, 
to get a Bible, to get a cup of tea, to sit down when she gets a moment, to, to read a, a commentary alongside it, to, to help stir her passions of who God is and how she fits in the story of God. I'd encourage you, do it, do it, do it. And see, the woman's response uh, by pouring out this expensive perfume was wholehearted, but it was also costly. And uh, not only financially costly, but it was costly of her reputation. It was, she, people would question her, people around her. It was costly of her time, it was costly of her effort. It would have took a long time to save, to afford something like that. See, being devoted to Jesus costs us. You may have heard it said when you were younger or maybe even when you came to Christ, pray a prayer and ask for forgiveness and everything will be easy. You know and I know that's not true. You may have thought that I can kind of, this whole thing about Jesus sounds really great. I can just add Jesus to my life. I can just add him to my life and keep living exactly the same way. That's not true. Yes, it's not what we do that saves us, but because we're saved by faith alone. But faith and saving faith never remains alone. It will change the way. It's like when you give your heart to Jesus, it will change the way you are. Wholehearted devotion is costly. Also, genuine growth. I don't know about you. I want to grow in God. I want to I wanna be fruitful. I want to see Welling grow. I want to see Welling be fruitful in the community here in this room right now. And yet, deep down, part of me is just like, I wish it would just happen right now. <laughs> I just want it to happen. I want a quick fix. I want, a, I, want a, I want a silver bullet and I want as little effort as possible. I just want it to happen. I want it to be instant. I want transformation. I want to happen instantly. But growth doesn't work like that. Growth does not work like that. And if that bursts the bubble, I'm sorry. (laughs) But being devoted to Jesus requires a lifetime, a lifetime of small steps, of costly, faithful obedience in a holy direction. Step by step, step by step, step by step. Jeff Mannion puts it like this. He says, a remarkable life, you could change that to a devoted life, is built by taking a thousand unremarkable steps. (laughs) See, we kind of, in our culture, this consumerist culture, we want it instantly and we want it to be, yay, yay, all amazing. (laughs) But life isn't like that. You know that, I know that. A remarkable life is built by taking a thousand unremarkable steps. See, the reality of a devotion, of devotion, of, of a life of devotion isn't flashy, but it's costly, and it also goes most of the time unnoticed. See, costly devotion is the believer who faithfully commits time each day to get up before work to read the Bible and pray, unseen and often unspectacular, yet a heart of devotion being shaped by God year after year. Costly devotion is the person who faithfully prayed for their uns- prays for their unsaved family member day after day, year after year, holding on to the promises of God that he does uh, not, he desires that none will perish. Costly devotion is the father who reads a Bible story, maybe the same Bible stories over and again and again to their kid just before bed because they're believing that there's truth in this word, there's truth in these stories that will cause this, hopefully, these children to grow up and know Jesus' love for them. See, costly devotion is the 
single person who has remained sexually pure despite many years of temptation and is holding on to the promises of God's greater intimacy. Costly devotion is the, the family who shows regular hospitality, opens up the home, welcomes people in that aren't like them, welcomes people in that are needy, knowing that they're not going to get an invite in return, and yet doing so because they want to share the love of God. Costly devotion is the married couple who have been faithful for over 40 years through fear and fin, preferring one another and keeping the love of God at the center of their relationship. Devotion is costly. But Jesus goes one further. He says devotion requires us to die. <laughs> Sounds like, what? <laughs> Sounds a bit dramatic. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus says, follow me. But to step into the story requires you to die. It requires you to die to yourself. And see the, the early church, many of the early church, hey, they weren't perfect, but they knew the cost of following Jesus and dying to self. They lived out Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. They understood what it is to, 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 to live uh, by faith in the Son of God. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I die every day. <laughs> and so we have a choice to make as followers of Christ, as devoted followers of Jesus. And it requires us to die. It requires us to, rather than put ourselves first, it requires us to put Jesus first. See, every time you choose to, to, to choose Jesus, choose his way rather than your will, every time you say, I can't do this on my own, I can't do this on my own, Jesus, will you help me? Every time you do that, a little bit of you die, dies, and Jesus shines through you. And so maybe it's your own comfort. Maybe it's ambition. Maybe it's control. Maybe it's pride or ego. Maybe it's, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, whatever it is that you feel like that stops you from giving yourselves to Jesus. When you choose Jesus, a little bit of you dies, and Jesus will shine through you to those around you. I want to be like that. I want to choose Jesus. I want to get to the end of myself, recognizing that I cannot do it on my own. See, that's what it is to be a Christian. It's getting to the end of yourself, reason I can't do this. That's why I need God. Just before our holiday, um, somebody went, oh, so our car needed an MOT, and uh, we, we wasn't kind of, you know, unaware we knew it was probably going to fail because it's not great um but we um <clears throat> it costed a bit more than we, we'd expect expected and uh, the kind of money that we were looking forward to use on our holiday um and we were kind of oh, we were we were to be honest with you we were annoyed we were frustrated we were a bit worried that we we're going to go overdrawn and all that kind of stuff and and it wasn't an overly spiritual moment but i kind of just was reminded wait a minute God's, God's done this before. <laughs> God's provided for us before. And um, that's why we're even here in Welling, why we've got the house where we live. He provided for us. And 
uh, Hannah was freaking out. She was going crazy. She's, you know, I'm the spiritual one. No, um, no. She, was going, she was losing the plot. And I just said, wait a minute, let's, let's just take a moment. We can't do anything about this. We can worry as all we want, but we can't do anything about it. Let's just pray. And so we did for a few minutes, not very long. And uh, to be honest with you, I literally spent the next four or five days laughing <laughs> because, because God just kept, kept coming through like, again and again and again. And God isn't like this slot machine and we put a prayer in and, you know, but when we come to the end of ourselves, realizing we cannot do it, God will come through. He really will. He promises in his word. And so just day after day, we've got literally got a couple of envelopes through the post. Love you to treat yourselves on holiday. God, this is amazing. Phone call from a family member saying, we want to give you some money to buy a new car. I was like, what? (laughs) This is crazy. Another gift to say thank you for something. It's like again and again. See, God loves you. (laughs) God loves us and he has good things for us. I'll ask you that question, another question to think about this term. What, what is it? What do I need to die to? Is it my comfort? Is it my controlling everything? Hey, sometimes I get here on a Sunday and I'm like, where is everybody? Come on! <laughs> Start freaking out. <laughs> I need to give over, get over myself and trust God. Maybe you've disqualified yourself. You have a part to play in God's story. You need to die to that. God's got amazing plans for you to step into. So a devoted life to Jesus is wholehearted and costly. So what's, what's our takeaway? What's, what's your next step from here? What does it look like for, for you to step into the story, to devote yourself to Jesus? Firstly, I want, I'd encourage you, go away. Consider them two questions. What can you do to delight your heart in God more this time? this year what do you need to die to this time this year what do you need to die to every day (laughs) that Jesus might shine through you for some it 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 might be a first step you might be needing to actually take a first step into this story of devoting yourself to Jesus maybe you have grown up or you've been going to church for a long time maybe it's more recently but actually you've never kind of devoted your life fully to Jesus. It's always been a part of something in your life. It's not your whole life. Um, or maybe it's literally something you're exploring. I'd encourage you, step into a story, do an alpha course. I, I Literally, I'd encourage anyone, even if you've you know, been around church for a long time, do an alpha course. It's a great way of, of reminding ourselves of these truths of who Jesus is. We're doing one in October. We're going to start at Alpha here in Welling. We're looking forward to that partnering with Welling Baptist as well for some the first step is actually to join the story it's to 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 do DNA it's to join our new community story in a sense some of you have been around for a a while and it's like it's times right yeah I need to do DNA I need to 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 step into the story to be on the process of membership to play your part in the new community story for some it's ongoing steps ongoing steps we talked earlier didn't we that, that it's one Little step after another, after another, and after ongoing steps. And these are our ABCs. ABCs. A is attend church. See, commit to be here on a Sunday. I know, I know, and I work for the church, that there's many reasons that could prevent us or stop us from wanting to be here on a Sunday. 
and obviously there's illness and holidays and all that. But honestly, when you're here, not here, you're missed. Honestly, you are. And uh, you'd have heard this analogy before, but it is like a brick missing from a wall. It's like there's a there's a brick there's a gap in that wall. What's, that's a bit strange. A wall should not have a gap, a hole in it. And when the brick's on its own, it's like, well, what's use of a brick on its own? Unless it's for bad reasons, like throwing through windows. <laughs> we miss you when you're not here. I think it's why God's number one plan, his A plan, plan A, if you like, is not individuals, it's the church. Maybe it's, uh, for all of us, ongoing steps. B, read your Bible, devote yourselves to it. Maybe it's C, community, be a part of community. We have new communities starting uh, this October, which we're really excited about. I want to encourage you, give yourself wholeheartedly to it. It will cost time, it will cost effort. There may be some awkward moments uh, with one another, but give yourself to it. It will do you good and it will do others good. Service, S, service. Commit wholeheartedly to a serving team. Most of you, if not all of us, are doing this. We're, we're in, we're here early, we're serving, we're playing our part. I want to thank you for that. I want to encourage you, keep playing your part in that, not for yourself or for me, but because it's part of God's plan for you to serve. See, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. As you do that, you're doing it for him as well as each other. I'm going to finish, and uh, we're going to just finish in a song with a song in a moment. But I just want to finish with the story of the Wright brothers. Most of you would have heard of the Wright brothers. The Wright brothers were those that made history in, on December the 17th, 1903, when Orville Wright and Wilbur Wright managed to achieve controlled flight for the first time in history. They didn't go very far, but they went 120 feet uh, at one point for 12 seconds, another point at 852 feet. And they're celebrated today as the first human beings to achieve control flight. One of probably the most significant breakthroughs in the last hundred years of modern history. And yet what we don't realize with, with these guys was is it, it took years of designing, of experimenting, of adjusting, of failing, of trying again and again and again and again and until they achieved this uh, breakthrough. If you had observed them at their workshop... They were literally two ordinary guys, looked very ordinary, just tinkering around with airplane parts. Year after year after year. Even the, his nephew uh, later said history was happening in those moments. They're in the shop and in their home, but I didn't realize it at the time because it just seemed commonplace. See, a devoted life, a wholehearted life, a, a life that is costly, doesn't look all flashy. Doesn't look all flashy in the moment, but seeing big dreams happen one step at a time is through a devoted life of wholehearted passion. See, we have a dream at New Community to see the gospel advance in Welling, in South East London and beyond. We've got a dream to start more communities and venues, to, to raise up and release leaders, to see many people come to Christ, to see a multitude glorifying his name. How do we see this? We see it. When people like you and me step into the story by devoting our lives to Jesus. Lauren, can you come up for a second? I just felt there's a good opportunity to finish, just to, to respond in worship to Jesus. Respond by giving our hearts to him. And I'm going to ask you in a moment, uh, if, 
if you want to, if you if you've heard this and you want to devote your heart to Jesus, you want to wholeheartedly this term live for Him this year, live for Him. I'm not saying you haven't last year. I'm just saying if this is what you want to do this year, you want to give your whole heart to Him and you want to live for Him, and it's about being costly and faithful to keep going, to keep going one step at a time. I'm just going to ask us to stand. So if that's you, can you just stand? If you want to grow in God or you want to move on in his purposes and plans, you want to devote your life to him. And part of that devotion is giving yourself to this story of God right here in Welling, right here in Welling. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song. God, this is my desire. This is my desire to honor you. I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, right now, would you just come and arrest our hearts? (laughs) Take hold of our hearts, Lord. We want to choose right now to give you our lives. We want to give you everything that we have. God, you're about a transforming work in our own lives, in the lives of people around us. You're about people being invited to step into the story. You're a God who has lavished love upon us, grace and mercy And Lord, right now, we want to choose to step into your story and devote our hearts to you again this year. Hey, the past, the past is past. (laughs) The past is past. And right now, we look forward to what is to come. We look forward to you and who you are, to to grow in you, to devote our lives to you, to, to experience you more, Jesus. Lord, I want to delight my heart in you again and again and again. I want to satisfy myself in who you are, Jesus. So, Lord, we come and say, this is my desire. Lord, would you have my heart?